Bobcat fans. Support both your favorite team and Montana State students. When you shop at the student and faculty-owned MSU Bookstore, your purchase lowers the price of course materials for Montana State students. Montana State is in the midst of a historic year, and the MSU Bookstore has everything you need, from jerseys to garments, t-shirts to sweatshirts. You can also find the vast selection of Bobcat gear online by visiting msubookstore.org. Help students excel and look your best in blue and gold. The MSU Bookstore is your Bobcat gear headquarters. ESPN Missoula. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. Funky jams because our main man, Rajim Seabrook, is supposed to be in studio, except for he can't make it down. He's trying. He's efforting. Uh, but it's so cold, sometimes your battery just dies. So if we haven't got it figured out by the time uh, we're off the air, we'll come help you, Raj. We'll be on the way. But either way, uh, maybe he'll come. Maybe he won't. But either way, uh, man. There's side effects to the cold, certainly. I also think there's benefits, but I digress. Welcome back. Nuan is now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. First hour, heavy on hoops. We went around the world of high school hoops, gave you some scores from across divisional tournaments here in the state of Montana. And uh, also heard from Danny Sprinkle, Montana State head men's basketball coach. And we also continued our coverage of the Big Sky Documentary Film Festival. Had a couple great interviews. Uh, one about a documentary about a young lady who's a skier who suffered a traumatic brain injury and has recovered and has since then become a huge advocate for TBI and uh, that sort of research. And we also heard from a couple filmmakers about a uh, documentary all about homelessness, pregnancy in Hollywood, but also just about humans. It's called Hollywood's Finest. And that one makes its world debut at the Wilma at 8.15 p.m. You'll find all those interviews from hour number one on the Nuanas Now podcast, which is proudly presented by Blackfoot Communications. Visit goblackfoot.com. Also presented by the M Store and presented by the MSU Bookstore. Time now for our Garden City Spotlight. Garden City Spotlight presented by Missoula Electric Co-op. Missoula Electric Co-op has been proudly serving safe, affordable, and reliable energy to their members since 1936. Divisional tournaments are going at all levels of high school uh, basketball right now, except the Western AA tournament. That starts next week, I believe on Thursday. And uh, that's only because AA doesn't have district and then divisionals and then state, just because there's, there's more... A, B, and C teams, obviously. I mean, I think there's there's 16 AA teams, 18 A teams, some are in the 30s of B teams, and then there's over 100 Class C schools in Montana. So it just takes a lot longer to get uh, to the state tournament. That's one of the things that makes it so fun and so fun to follow along with. But just a little bit left of the regular season here uh, in uh, Class AA boys basketball. This last weekend, we had an amazing highlight of high school hoops in this city. The Battle for the Golden Goat, which was spearheaded a great idea by our great partners at SWX Montana Television. They put together basically uh, city, uh, inner city rivalries, so the Missoula schools playing against each other in doubleheaders, but you put it at Dahlberg Arena and you make it a spirit squad competition as well. So it's not just about the, the cheerleaders or the dancers or the band it's also just about the student bodies and just who exudes the most school spirit 
There's a panel of community members down there as judges. You have all sorts of um, halftime uh, participation and performance and all that. And at the very end, four to four and a half hours of uh, of raucous partying, then they decide which high school gets the Golden Goat Trophy, which is awarded to the, the school and the student body with the most school spirit. This has been Helgate and Sentinel for the last couple of years, but this year Big Sky gets involved, and that also resulted in some really great basketball games. In the girls' game, Audrey Hale hit a three-pointer with only a couple seconds remaining to lift Big Sky to a 48-46 win. That's huge for the Eagles. They're above 500 going into the regular season finale, and they're certainly a threat with a couple of the best young players in the state. And uh, Hellgate, really good team as well, so that's a big win for Big Sky. Travis Williams, the new head coach at Missoula Big Sky, said he thought it was that his squad's biggest win of the year, and it's hard to argue with him. Then in the uh, guys' game, another really good game, and Hellgate's boys outlasted Big Sky's boys 55-51. Jeff Hayes, longtime head coach for the Hell- Hellgate Knights boys. He joined us earlier this week. Time now for our Garden City Spotlight, where we highlight prep athletics from across the city of Missoula. Go now to the Rangers Brothers RV phone line. Welcome in Jeff Hayes. He's the head boys basketball coach at Missoula Hellgate. And Hellgate coming off another victory, 55-51 over Big Sky on Friday night in Missoula at Dahlberg Arena. Coach, thanks so much for being here, man. How you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Coulter. First and foremost, let's talk about the atmosphere on Friday night. I read the article in the paper. thought your comments were great about how both teams played so hard, and it was just a great high school basketball game. But what was it like just being a part of that? I mean, this battle for the Golden Goat has become really, really cool, and uh, great atmosphere on hand and a great victory by your guys. Well, thank you. Uh, you know, the atmosphere is, is absolutely wild. It's, it's a ton of fun. Uh, I know it's fun for the players. It's fun for the coaches. Uh, but I think the students and the entire community has a blast at it. It was really fun listening to some of the students that I have in class just talking about how much fun they had. I have to applaud them. I don't know how they can stand and jump and cheer and yell for four, four and a half hours straight. There is not a lull in the action for them. And um, when I ask if they ever got tired, they say, they, they say no. But I ask, about, how about afterwards? And they said, as soon as they leave, they, they crash. It's an, it's an incredible adrenaline rush for the students in the stand as it is for our players as well. And I just think it's really neat that the schools in Missoula, we, we're providing this opportunity to have an experience of that magnitude. Well, as a Missoula guy myself, I wish I would have had a chance to do this because I agree. It's so fun for all the students, not just the basketball players. And I'm glad that everybody showed out again and, and was there uh, to do it. How about just the victory for your team as well, though? That's a much improved Big Sky team that's been very good the last couple of years. And you guys have had some knockdown drag outs with them the last couple of years. So uh, what were the keys to victory against Big Sky on Friday night? Big Sky's got a lot of good players, uh, and they're very well coached. And we knew it was going to be a struggle. It was going to be a challenge. I certainly didn't anticipate being down 13-2 to to start the game, but having a close game throughout was something that I expected. And uh, I thought in the first half when they jumped to 13-2, to we did not panic offensively, uh, which was really important. Uh, we didn't rush anything. We missed a lot of really good opportunities at the basket uh, that they ended up falling for us later in, that, in the first half. But being able to get that deficit down to two points at halftime uh, was really important for us. And then I thought we were just much better defensively in the second half. Uh, we did a better job going back to our principles, guarding the ball, uh, being in position to help if needed. And, and we challenged our guys to take a little bit more pride in that. 
And uh, I thought that was the difference there in the second half. Missoula Hillgate head boys basketball coach Jeff Hayes joining us here on Nuanas Now. ESPN Radio, as well as SWX Montana Television and the ESPN MT app. It's our Garden City Spotlight. I coach just in general now with the uh, the postseason coming up uh, j- just in a couple, uh, I guess, by next week. What have you liked just about the way your team's played so far this year? And what, sort of th- what do you think sort of defines this team? What's the identity of this Hellgate team so far this year? Well, you know, it's been a really, really fun group to coach. Uh, they have worked hard every day. We've improved, I feel like day by day and week by week, which is always something that you strive for, but but doesn't always happen. I was actually talking to a coach recently, and I said, we haven't had a bad practice all year. And uh, that's a testament to our leaders of our team, the senior group that we have. And uh, I think we talked about what the identity of our team is. I, I feel like we play really hard, yet we play intelligently and we play really unselfishly. Uh, it's a group that doesn't care who gets the credit uh, on any given night. Uh, I know Connor Dick has had the spotlight in our crosstown games, but in those other games, we've had players, other players step up, whether it's been Asher Top, Donovan Headswift, uh, Mario Roseman. Uh, we've had a couple of sophomores in Easton Sam and Chance McNulty who have rides to the occasion too. And these guys are just making the right basketball plays. And uh, it's been really fun to coach. It's been really fun to watch. And, but you know when you get the tournament time, that margin of error is going to shrink a little bit. And so we just have to be ready every game, every night. What do you hope to see out of your team then just in terms of improvements? What sort of stuff do you want to clean up uh, as you head into the postseason? Uh, you've got to be prepared for it all. And... Uh, I hope at this point in the season that we are. And uh, in terms of improving, I think it's more about fine-tuning, having reminders. Um, We always talk about being a tough-nosed team, being a disciplined team. And it's not just physical, it's also that mental piece. And so uh, I feel like we've trained them well for that, but a lot of it's going to come down to that mental preparation as well and and just kind of knowing what to expect and, and not getting rattled when the unexpected happens. Jeff Hayes, Missoula Hellgate boys basketball coach here on our Garden City Spotlight. It's Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. Last couple of things for you, Coach. What do you think of just the new postseason format? I know it's been a couple of years now since the, the AA added the divisional rounds, but uh, what do you think of it? And now that you've had a couple of years to participate in it, does that give you an advantage, just the fact that you've had some guys like Connor Dick, like Donovan Headsmith that have played uh, in this format before? Well, you know, it's a, it's a fun experience for, for all the teams. It's a, a nerve-wracking experience as well. We've been on both, on both ends of it in terms of the, the elation of success and the disappointment uh, of not making it. We've experienced both sides of it. Uh, you know, I think it's just a great opportunity for kids to have that tournament experience. And, and if you're fortunate enough to go on to the state tournament the next week, I think it provides a, a great springboard just for knowing what to expect. And what I'm just, I just really want for these guys to have that opportunity to, to make the state tournament uh, in a couple of weeks. I know they've worked really hard. We've had a terrific regular season. And uh, I guess maybe my one gripe with, with divisionals, I don't know how well those top seeds are rewarded uh, going into a divisional tournament, whether you're playing at a high school or a neutral site. But you know what, that's, just, that's, the, that's the beauty of tournament time. And uh, basketball can be a fickle game, and we're just going to have to be prepared to, to battle night in and night out. Azul Hellgate, boys basketball coach Jeff Hayes here on Nuanas Now. Coach, appreciate the time as always. Best of luck with the rest of the regular season and into the tournaments, and uh, we'll be catching up with you down the road. But thanks for joining us today.
All right. Thanks for having me. Uh, we appreciate the support you guys give to athletics in Missoula, and it's uh, been pretty fun. There you go. Jeff Hayes, Missoula Hellgate. They're up in the flathead to finish up the regular season, and they got the inside track at a top seed, if not the top seed, in the uh, upcoming Western AA Divisional Tournament, which starts next Thursday, March 2nd, that is. Crazy that it's already postseason time. Noir's Dow ESPN Radio, the news of the day is that the Grizz basketball game tonight, which we had some tickets for you, we didn't give them away, which is actually a good thing because there's no game now. Portland State supposed to be coming to town, couldn't get out of Portland. The Lady Grizz did make it to Portland. They took a bus. So uh, they will play Portland State tonight. It tips at 8 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, 7 p.m. local time. The tip was moved back an hour to facilitate Montana getting from Vancouver up to uh, the city. They got to Vancouver as of last night in the wee hours of this morning, and then uh, now they're on their way up to the Stott Center. So uh, Lady Grizz game still on. The Men Grizz game, not so much. Portland State uh, will not play in Missoula, at least not tonight. We'll see if they can make their way to Bozeman by Saturday or if this game gets rescheduled whatsoever. As of right now, it's postponed, not canceled. Uh, so we'll see. We caught up with Travis DeCure earlier this week. There is uh, a question or two at the end here about Portland State, but other than that, mostly just a sort of synopsis of the season going into the final weekend. This is also part of our Garden City Spotlight presented by Missoula Electric Co-op. I'm down here at Delbert Arena with Montana head coach Travis DeCure. I'll only ask you one question about uh, last weekend. Coach, how do you turn the page from last weekend? Obviously a, a rivalry loss, but also got some big games coming up here this weekend. Be tougher. Play with more discipline. Um, that, that's our message right now. Is we, We've had a few of these games this year that have gotten away from us, and, and I, I feel like our discipline needs to be better in those situations, especially when you know you, you got to sell out game, show up, and do your job. Does it take a huge mental adjustment uh, to get guys to, to play differently, or do you want that? Because you want your guys playing physically. You want your guys kind of up in people defensively. So how do you go about sort of managing the mental aspect? No, we, we keep doing what we do. I, I just think we got to be smarter with it. Uh, you know, there's the slapping at the ball and hands coming down. There, there were some, some – there were some. we committed a lot of fouls sure. in that game. So my, my issue never was we didn't foul. It was just there were a couple early and a couple late that should not have been called, and, and they really set the tone or finalized the game. That's all I'm saying. So for us, there's about 15 possessions that we just put points on the board for them, and we can't do that if we want to be good teams. Uh, I loved your comment after the game, though, about how you still believe that this team has turned a corner and you still believe this team can go and win in March. So how do you carry that part over? And what have been the key po- uh, turning points for you guys? Really, it's, it's, you go back, you watch the film, um, you, you we always ask guys if you can have one possession back, which one is it? If we all identify that one possession and we and, and we make those adjustments when that possession pre- presents itself again, you probably win next time around, regardless who your opponent is. I love watching Josh Bannon in the half court with the way you guys are using him now because if somebody can guard him, he's so good at passing. When somebody can't guard him, he's getting to the rim and slapping the glass. So, I mean, how tough of a guard is he when you put him in the half court like you have been? Well, versatility is key, right? And, and under normal circumstances, guys just want to score a ton of points. They're thinking about their future, their opportunities after where they're at. Um, I think he's done a phenomenal job of adjusting to the defense and adjusting to his team. The personnel that's on the floor... What do we need uh, to be productive? And and he's done a really good job executing that. 
Portland State coming to town on uh, Thursday, so always a, a tough scout. How, what's the biggest difference between what you've seen the last couple weeks and what you guys got to employ on Thursday, or is it that big of a turning point? I don't know. Well, uh, a few weeks ago, they were a team that there's the style of defense that they played. If, if you ran certain things a certain way, there was a shot you knew you could get. And we, we put Deshaun, we put Vasquez, we put Moody in those positions at their place, and we shot a great percentage. I don't think those shots are available now based on the way that they've adjusted their defense. So we're going to have to play a little more traditional offensively uh, in terms of how we you know get the shots we want to get and, and, and shoot the high percentage. And then defensively, we got to be better in transition than we have been all year. I know you guys have changed a little bit of what you're doing in the half-court offense. Have you seen teams then adjust to defend you differently the last couple of weeks? Uh, well, I, I don't know that anyone's had enough film to really yeah, see yeah. what it is we're doing. I think Montana State, you know, did a phenomenal job defensively against us, but it's kind of what they do. Um, and, and, and once we settled in and, and adjusted to what they were doing, we were fine. It just took us too long to do that. Well, and some of it's just if you guys move really well without the ball, they're going to get to their spot and get their shot no matter how they guard you, right? That's all it is. is, is you got to share it and you got to move when you don't have it. Last home weekend, so how much momentum can this help you build uh, as then you hit, take the road before uh, going to Boise? Five-game win streak. If, if we can have another one, we'll be satisfied pretty much with where we're at and the opportunities in front of us. So it's still one game at a time. It, it's, it's just play your best basketball. We need a really good week of practice. We, we got after it yesterday. Today we'll compete some more, and then we'll dial in on our opponent tomorrow. But one game at a time, play your best basketball, see what happens. Keys of the weekend then for the Grizz? Defend defend at a high level and and continue to grow offensively together. We'll be fine. Travis Takir here on Nuanas Now. It's our Garden City Spotlight. Sorry, I was out in the parking lot. That's why I got my coat on still. Had to, you know, go move some rigs around. So time of year it is. Garden City Spotlight presented by Missoula Electric Co-op. Missoula Electric Co-op doing a bunch of great things in the community. They've been serving safe, affordable, and reliable energy to their members since 1936. They also just recently donated more than $60,000 to area elementary and middle schools around Western Montana. So very cool on Missoula Electric Co-op's part. We're going to play a little game of buy and sell right after this. Keep it right here. Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. New Orleans Now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Switching up a little bit, but talking about most of the same stuff. Rajim Seabrook, supposed to be riding with us, but he uh, had some car trouble, so he couldn't get here. So all good. Uh, we carry on. Uh, this is our last show of the week. We don't have a show tomorrow. And uh, then basically the traveling radio show commences. I will be on the road beginning on Monday. We'll be coming to you live from Reese Court. Cheney, Washington. It could be uh, a basket. We could be leading up to a basketball game for the Big Sky title. It just depends. If Montana State wins tonight against Sac State and Saturday against Portland State, pending that that game occurs, and Eastern Washington loses twice, then the Bobcats could be playing for a share of the Big Sky title. Eastern's already sewed up a share of the title. They can win it outright with any sort of victory, no matter what happens with Montana State, or they can win it with any Montana State loss, even if they were to lose. So basically, as the baseball people would say, Eastern Washington's magic number is one. Either an Eastern win or a Montana State loss, and the Eagles will be the outright Big Sky Conference champions. I'm going over because I know there's a very small chance that the Cats are actually going to be able to steal and share that title. 
But more importantly, though, let's say Eastern doesn't lose and they clinch the outright title, but they might be gunning for an 18-0 record in league play. That's never happened. The Big Sky Conference has been around since 1963. No men's basketball team has ever run the table during an 18-game season. The best start in league history, I think it came in 1968-69 that season by Weber State. I believe they won 16 in a row. So Eastern is also uh, approaching that as well. So uh, a lot on the line. And uh, I'm going over um, to Quinn Hot Springs. So I'm not going to be halfway there to Spokane. So I figured I'd just stay an extra day and, and go cover that game. So that'll be the first of, of a variety of traveling radio shows for us here at Nuanas Now. I'll be uh, on the road March 4th through the 8th. I guess 3rd through the 8th uh, by the time we get to Boise. Then we'll be on the road in Butte for the Class AA State Tournament, uh, March 9th, 10th, and 11th. And then we will be uh, on the road at a to-be-determined location when uh, the Big Sky Conference, depending on who represents who in both the men's and women's NCAA tournaments, any team with Montana ties, that's we'll, that's who we'll follow. And if there's multiple teams with Montana ties, then we'll make the decision. But a um, lot of travel and radio show coming up. And so I'm, uh, I'm excited about that. I want to talk a little bit about Lamar Jackson. Uh, he is certainly uh, one of the biggest stars in the National Football League, a former MVP. And there's just a ton of drama around him right now. The Baltimore Ravens, they were optimistic that Lamar Jackson was maybe going to come back for the playoffs. He injured his left knee in week 13, but that's usually a four- to six-week injury. So people, most of the people in the organization thought that Jackson would be back by the playoffs given the timing of that injury. The Ravens stumbled down the stretch. They lost three out of four going into the playoffs, and then they drew their uh, AFC North rivals in the Cincinnati Bengals. Then week 18 rolled around, and, and Jackson didn't practice all week. And that sort of started to fester this uh, speculation that maybe he wasn't going to get back. Then when they started practicing uh, after the regular season was over, leading into the playoffs, and Jackson was nowhere to be found. Uh, and that's the other part of this. He was doing most of his rehab outside of the Ravens' facility. So not only was he hurt, but he was sort of absent as well. Then after Thursday's practice, this is just a couple days before the Ravens were set to play the Cincinnati Bengals, Jackson dropped a Twitter thread uh, that became, I mean, it went viral. And uh, basically talking about uh, that he had a grade 2 PCL sprain, inflammation surrounding his knee, and he announced himself that he, was not, he would not be playing. There's an article on ESPN.com right now that said that coaches and players alike were both shocked by this. One team said exactly that. Oh, boy, I was shocked by that for sure. Um, this is all under the guise, though, that Lamar Jackson was coming up to becoming a free agent. And he wanted a long-term contract in the offseason. And then when he didn't get one, I think that... There's part of this where uh, you, you never want to dispute that, you know, the severity of an injury. I mean, if you want to watch a great documentary, watch the documentary called Pooh, P-O-O-H. It's all about Derrick Rose. And I, I hearken back to those times. Derrick Rose, it, it's so easy to forget. Derrick Rose is the youngest MVP in 
NBA history. Only 22 years old when he won the MVP. The year he won the MVP, he basically impeded what would have been a five-peat by LeBron James as the NBA MVP. LeBron James won back-to-back. Derrick Rose won one. Then LeBron James won back-to-back again. LeBron might have won five in a row, which would have been unprecedented if Derrick Rose hadn't won that MVP. Well, then Derrick Rose hurt his knee, and that turned into the defining saga of his career. And I know Derrick Rose is still in the NBA, and he's still a very good player, but at the moment he won the MVP, people are thinking, is this like the great, the next great player in the NBA? Is this the next legendary Hall of Famer, you know, the mythical superhero leading the Chicago Bulls? Derrick Rose also, though, found himself awash in controversy because he he's sort of a reserved, uh, quiet, humble guy, and he also uh, sensitive, I would say. But he pushed back because this started with him wanting to take a little bit more time than maybe the general public wanted to come back from an injury. Then it sort of evolved into he didn't feel right, but the Chicago Bulls training staff was saying that he was farther along than maybe he was admitting that he was. And then it became this basically this controversy in the media because somehow it leaked out of the Bulls organization that the training staff had cleared Derrick Rose and Derrick Rose himself was not ready. Well, then Derrick Rose came back and he got hurt again. And I I think it's uh, one of those tales that people in pro sports have learned from. It's just unfortunate it had to happen to a talented young man like that. And it derailed his career because then he got hurt multiple times after that. And there was this public perception by some that Derrick Rose was soft, that he was injury prone, that he was only a flash in the pan. When in reality, he succumbed to the pressure because of the uh, court of public opinion, came back too soon, and then got hurt. So you don't want to ever say that a player, his own outlook on an injury is incorrect. Who knows better about his body than Lamar Jackson? But the fact is, though, that Lamar Jackson did not have a long-term contract, that he was not signed up. So there's also then the element of, does this guy want to go risk himself in a playoff game? He's a running quarterback. Does he want to go out and do that uh, when... He doesn't have guaranteed money when he doesn't have a guaranteed long-term contract. So the the tweet was sort of two-sided, right? On on one hand, he's sort of diagnosing and and admitting himself what's going on. Um, Again, you can't doubt Lamar Jackson. But on the other hand, maybe not the greatest business move to say that one of the most mobile and electric running quarterbacks the league has ever seen has knee issues. PCL sprain is certainly not anything that's going to end your career. Far from it. Uh, but his candidness, uh, there's a double-edged sword there. You respect it for sure, but also, you know, do you really want to tell the world your damaged goods when one of the biggest goals you have as a player is to get a long-term contract? Uh, and then the fact that he was sort of absent uh, uh, around this, you just wonder if maybe uh, there was some unrest with, with him and the Ravens. Then there's also... Oh, the other scuttle about Lamar Jackson. I love Lamar Jackson. I think that he as a character is unbelievable to follow and watch. I also think he's an unbelievable player. I think he gets unfairly scrutinized for a lot of different reasons. I think there's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, but I also totally understand that, that there is validity to the argument that Lamar Jackson is a spectacular player, but he's also had massive playoff struggles. Now, can you blame all of the Ravens? Struggles in the playoffs 
on Lamar Jackson? Not necessarily, but he also has played not well when the spotlight is the brightest. Then you factor in some of these contracts that are having ramifications across the league. Like when Kirk Cousins goes out and gets the most guaranteed money in NFL history, and that's far in the rear view. There's been a whole bunch of guys that have gotten so much guaranteed money, so much more guaranteed money than Kirk Cousins did when he signed with Minnesota. But that was sort of the tipping point. Now we've seen these enormous deals for guys like Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, much deserved. They're the best players in the league. Also huge deals, though, for guys like Russell Wilson, who his best years, I personally believe, are certainly behind him. Guys like Kyler Murray, he hasn't necessarily had that good. He's had like spots in seasons where he's been good, but he's not been consistently really, really good. He's really talented, but he hasn't been consistently a winning player yet in his NFL career. I guess they made the playoffs uh, not this season, but last season. But but still, there's still a lot up in the air about Kyler Murray. And then the one that looms over everything, it looms over the entire NFL, is Deshaun Watson. I mean, Deshaun Watson got five years, $230 million guaranteed, and that was with having uh, more than half a season suspension from the NFL. So if you're Lamar Jackson, you're looking around, you're like, I know I'm better than Russell Wilson. I know I'm better than Kyler Murray. I've won an NFL MVP. I know that I'm better than Deshaun Watson, particularly considering Deshaun Watson hasn't played in years and is unavailable for most of the first part of this last season. So I totally get where Jackson's coming from. To me, I think that the fact that there's so much him and Han around this and that the Ravens are sort of at least publicly in denial of this. I mean, John Harbaugh was quoted as saying, I hadn't paid much attention to the tweet about the injury. Uh, okay. First of all, if you really haven't paid attention to what your franchise quarterback uh, announced his injury on Twitter, if you don't know about that, that's just stupid. You have to know about that. If you do know about it and you're deflecting it, that's also, to me, a sign that the Ravens know that this might be heading toward a divorce. I think that's how this is going to go. I think Lamar Jackson is going to hit the open market. The Ravens might franchise tag him. If that's the case, then maybe they franchise tag him and trade him, or maybe they franchise tag him and he stays. I think if there's there's two ways to franchise him, uh, there's the 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 franchise tag where he's going to get where he can't go anywhere. He's going to be gonna be on a one year contract for forty plus million dollars. They usually average out like the top five salaries among your position, and then boom, you get the median of that. I guess it would be the mean of that. Excuse me. Uh, so, you know, given the contracts for uh, Dak Prescott and Patrick Mahomes and um, Aaron Rodgers, I'm trying to think of other incredibly high-paid quarterbacks, but given that, I think that Lamar Jackson's salary would probably be in the mid-40s if he got the, the exclusive franchise tag where he's playing for Baltimore on a one-year deal. If they sign him to the other type of franchise tag where he can uh, basically he can negotiate a sign-and-trade or other teams can do what they call an offer sheet, and then the Ravens have a chance to match. That also is an, a scenario here. They could put that on him. He would basically get, I think, $33 million from the Ravens in that case, but someone else could come in, give him the offer sheet, and say they offer him you know, $40 million or, or whatever, and if he decides to do that, he can, and then the Ravens would have to give up uh, excuse me, that team would have to give up a couple first-round picks in exchange for Lamar Jackson. That's probably where I think Baltimore will go to protect themselves because you don't want to let Lamar Jackson just straight walk into free agency to get nothing. So I expect them to at least do the, the secondary franchise tag. But if that's the case, though, if he does not want to come back to Baltimore, 
maybe he just walks out the door. And if that happened, I think that Lamar Jackson's such a good fit in Baltimore for what they like to do, sort of in terms of the identity of their franchise, the style that John Harbaugh wants to play. I mean, John Harbaugh wants, he's a defensive coach. He wants to play defense, wants to hit you in the mouth, he wants to run the ball. Lamar Jackson is such a great fit for that, especially in the regular season. That's the biggest question mark around Lamar Jackson, though. In a single-game scenario, when a team can just throw the whole house at you, they, they can just do everything, pull out all the stops to stop what you do best. And also then the fact that because you're a running quarterback, I mean, if you play in the NFL, the, the fact that there's like this notion that injury-prone is a thing in the NFL, here's the deal. If you play in the NFL, the only reason you're playing 15 years straight without an injury is because you got lucky. Everybody is injury-prone in the NFL because it's just only a matter of time before you get injured. Sure, there's guys that last for a really long time that hardly, if ever, get injured. I think it's almost exclusively luck when that occurs. But either way, Lamar Jackson's putting himself in harm's way significantly more frequently than most players, most quarterbacks in the NFL. So, uh, I expect the way I expect this to go down is I expect Lamar Jackson, one way or the other, to not be playing for the Baltimore Ravens next year. Before we speculate on who would be fun fits for Lamar Jackson, Andrew, what do you think of this this whole scenario? Uh, just the way that it all went down. I mean, he's kind of been MIA in Baltimore for for a couple months now. Um, yeah, I think your read on it is is really good, Coulter. What I would say is it's sort of the the intersection of two trends, right? We're seeing, I think everybody agrees that Lamar Jackson is worth a lot of money. Yeah. I think the reason that he and the Ravens are not coming to the same agreement on how much money he's worth is the two trends that you talked about, which is a little bit of a downturn in Lamar Jackson's health and probably in the Ravens' willingness to stake their future and to stake a huge portion of their salary cap and to stake the next five years of their franchise on a guy who is a running quarterback who is more prone to those injuries because he just he takes more hits than a lot of quarterbacks in the league. And the other trend line, which was going up as sort of Lamar Jackson's value was going down a little bit. So like you said, it's just what it the kind of money that it takes to play in that quarterback market when you're talking about signing somebody to an extension. I think you identified the Deshaun Watson contract correctly as sort of the uh, the new trendsetter in that field. And I think when you, when you take those two things into concert, not only maybe the Ravens have a little bit less confidence in Lamar Jackson after last season when he was hurt and he struggled a little bit when he did play, and then also the rising trend line of quarterback salaries, we end up in a place where we come to this, and there's so many other variables there. Uh, Lamar Jackson's a guy who had a chip on his shoulder coming out of college yep. because he was doubted. He's the kind of guy who uh, wants to be recognized for what he is because he's already been doubted. Yep. And for a guy like that, the contract is the number one made way to measure what people think of you. So there's a lot of that in there. Uh, I think when it comes down to it, the Ravens just have to look at their team and determine where they are on the competitive curve. If this is a team that you think can win the Super Bowl around him or can make a deep playoff run around him, I think you have to work to bring Lamar Jackson back. If not with the rest of the roster, though, Maybe you do do the non-exclusive franchise tag 
uh, let him let him work out a deal and take those two franchise picks because then you have a couple years to find a new quarterback and build up the rest of the roster around them. The Ravens' defense, of course, is good. They don't have a ton of other weapons on offense. I know their running backs were hurt this year, but they've never been able to find a number one wide receiver for Lamar Jackson. Uh, so maybe they have a different view of it, but this is a team where I think taking a couple of years, taking a couple extra first-round picks, moving on from here and maybe restarting might not be such a bad idea. Well, the thing, it's such a great point because Andrew Houghton here on uh, Nuana's Now, we're talking all things NFL and Lamar Jackson. Because the Ravens are one of the only teams in the league that have never just burnt it down or that have never just reconciled themselves with being bad. Since they became the Ravens, they've just been good. Like the first couple years when they moved from Cleveland, it was sort of a rebuild. But then since they won that Super Bowl with Ray Lewis, and, and Brian Billick is the head coach, they've just been good. Like, they're just almost always in the playoffs, and if they aren't in the playoffs, it's because they're like, you know, 7-9 and nine or 8-8, eight and eight, or I guess this, this day and age with the 17 games, 8-9 or whatever. But they're always right there with 8-9-10-11 wins. It's also why they haven't ever had any that many more than 11 wins in a year because they are kind of stuck just right there in the, the pretty good to not completely dominant uh, area. That said... They're one of the most stable organizations in football. They've always done a great job drafting. They have a, a whole bunch of really good pieces defensively, you know, led by guys like Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen. I mean, that has to be Tyus Bowser has to be one of the best linebacking cores uh, in the NFL for sure. They've always been good to great on the offensive line. That's also been a high priority of their organization. But you're right. Lamar Jackson hasn't anybody really that good to throw to other than Mark Andrews, their tight end, during his time there. Let me ask you this, though. Can you win a conference championship and get to a Super Bowl and compete for a Super Bowl with Lamar Jackson as your quarterback? Yes. Yeah, 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 yes. Who's but better? he has to be healthy the whole season. Who's better, Lamar Jackson or Dak Prescott? If you are uh, if you have them on the same contract, I would take Lamar Jackson. I agree. Yeah. I, I totally agree. I think some. I think a lot of national pundits would... Pe- would would uh, push back at that. I think part of it's because na- there's a lot of national pundits that literally are paid to uh, either stroke the Cowboys or hate on the Cowboys. So there, there is some nuance and politics there. And there's a couple things in sports media that are just tried and true. Like there's just guys that are paid to hate LeBron James. There's guys that are paid to love or hate the Dallas Cowboys. That's just that is what it is. It's content. It's a business. I totally get it. Whatever. I, I think that I, I think that. The criticism of Lamar Jackson not being able to win in the playoffs falls on the coaching staff and the organization as much as it does on Lamar Jackson. I, I think there's a definitive reason why John Harbaugh goes, gets 10 wins every year, but isn't like an overwhelming Super Bowl contender or favorite because there is so much conservative nature there. I do think they let Lamar Jackson freewheel and deal a lot more in the regular season than they do in the playoffs. But I agree. I think he can win a, a, a Super Bowl w- with Lamar Jackson. I think I would take Lamar Jackson over a variety. I mean, I'm just trying to think of the guys I wouldn't uh, – that that are better than Lamar Jackson. I mean, Aaron Rodgers probably still for sure. Absolutely Patrick Mahomes, definitely. Uh, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert. But, like, everybody else that you could possibly name, I think, is, is like, you, we could at least have the argument. I mean, and he could be right back up in the, like, Burrow, Justin Herbert, Josh Allen group, like, immediately, right, yeah. if he comes out and he's healthy for a season. The other thing is, I think that 
We have sample size. We actually have a pretty large sample size now of when quarterbacks, teams like elite guys, teams learn how to defend them, and then they can make the next step still or they continue to be dominant because of their mental acumen. I can't think of a quarterback that relies on his athleticism so much and then when teams sort of have the formula to keep you in check, who's then been able to break through that mold? Like so many guys have then had to add different parts to their game, become more cerebral, become more conservative, um, evolve as a pocket passer, so to speak. But in terms of the the true elite electric quarterbacks, it seems like when teams kind of get the formula and then they replicate the formula, like Patrick Mahomes, I've talked about this a lot on this show, teams kind of sort of learned how to defend the Chiefs for a minute, and then Mahomes just kicked down that door and then just kept being ridiculous. Justin Herbert's about to reach that point, and he's going to have to kick down that door and be ridiculous again. Joe Burrow, he's so diverse. He can do so many different things. This is Tom Brady in a nutshell, too. I mean, teams have... Sometimes crack the code for a brief second, and then Brady's just one step ahead. He, he keeps ahead of you. He keeps ahead of you. What's the next step for Lamar Jackson? I think that's the interesting part about this as well. Uh, last thing, is there one team that rises to the top of the uh, fold here that you think Lamar Jackson would be fun on? I mean, who who do you just, just in the perfect world, where do you hope he lands? What would be the most fun scenario? The Jets? The Jets is very interesting. The Jets are in the market for a quarterback. We know that. That's why they hired Nathaniel Hackett. They want to get in the Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes. Maybe they're getting in the Derek Carr sweepstakes as well. Uh, I think that's also just a sweet fit for his game, right? Like the big city feel. He's a flashy, glitzy, exciting sports center top 10 kind of guy. Not only is that the right city for it, they've also got a group of like swaggy, flossy young guys who they've sure. got in the draft in the last couple of years. Gary Wilson, one of the best rookies in the NFL this year. Sauce Gardner on the other side of the ball. Brees Hall is going to be coming back from an injury, but he was a revelation at running back before he got hurt. I mean, yeah, they got they got a lot of dudes. That would be my pick. I think that's good. There's also been rumors that both New Orleans and Atlanta are in the mix for him. I think just because, you know, I mean, he's a dude from Florida. He's he's a, you know, he's a Southern guy with, he's got his Southern draw. I just, you know, I think that there's a, a, a formidable amount of people in Atlanta that if Michael Vick went to the, or if, if, if Lamar Jackson went to the Falcons, they would be like, oh my gosh, we, I thought we would never get another Michael Vick. And now we got the second coming of Michael Vick. That might be a little bit unfair because I do think they're a little bit different players, but they are such electric players in the open field. I didn't think we were going to talk about Lamar Jackson for that long, but we did. New Orleans Now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Uh, one more break, and uh, then a couple more talking points to take you home here on your Thursday. Back after this, New Orleans Now, ESPN Radio. One, two, three. New Orleans Now on ESPN Radio. Shall I say back yeah. All time classic. Little Pete Rock and CL Smooth here on your Thursday. Rajim Seabrook curated the playlist today. 
And then his battery died, so he wasn't able to come hang out with us. But that's okay. Fun show nonetheless. If you missed anything in the show today, you can always find it on the Nuanas Now podcast, which is probably presented by Blackfoot Communications. Visit goblackfoot.com to see how Blackfoot can help you and your small business. Also, the Nuanas Now podcast presented by the M Store, where they're all grizz all the time, and it's presented by the MSU Bookstore as well, your go-to spot for all things Bobcats anytime you're in Bozeman on the MSU campus. Upcoming on ESPN Radio, we got the Seattle Kraken. We are the official affiliates of the Kraken. The Kraken play against the uh, Boston Bruins at 7.30 tonight. So uh, keep it tuned right here for ESPN Radio. Uh, Love the hockey action. Love the job that those uh, folks are doing. Some uh, updated real-time high school scores from uh, across the state of Montana. The Hamilton girls... Won a tight one at the Western A Divisional up there in uh, Ronan. So if you need anything, uh, if you need something to do this weekend, both the Western A boys and girls basketball tournaments up there in Ronan, uh, the Hamilton girls outlasted the Pulson Pirates 48-43. to So both Hamilton teams won uh, earlier today. Frenchtown's boys also won 69-50 to over Columbia Falls. And uh, in the girls' bracket, the uh, the other final, as I wait for it to load here, uh, Frenchtown won the, the morning game, by the way, 51-35. Browning beats Stevensville 65-54. Hamilton 48-43 over Polson. And right now, Dylan and Ronan are playing uh, up there in Ronan. So we'll have all sorts of um, scores and highlights and debate and all of it on Monday. Also, Missoula Loyola squad swept uh, – their first round games at the uh, Western B Divisional in Anaconda. The uh, boys won by almost 50 against Thompson Falls, and then the girls uh, also got a good win. So a lot of good results for teams in Western Montana. We'll have full reactions on Monday. No show tomorrow, but we'll see you coming to you live from Reese Court on Monday. See you then. It's Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. I am here with Catherine DeLands of The Advocates. If you've been listening to ESPN Radio, you're familiar and you know if you've been in an accident, The Advocates can surely help you. What sort of expertise do you guys have when it comes to uh, any sort of personal injury accidents, things like that? Uh, It's all we practice. Uh, You're not going to get an attorney who's practicing family law or in court defending criminal cases. All we do is personal injury. We're a multi-state firm, but I'm right here in Missoula. So we have the backing of a large firm uh, with just years of expertise there, too. Free consultations. You can find out more by calling 406-640-4444 or by visiting online 24-7 MontanaAdvocates.com.